global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are lower, little change. This update brought to you by National Realty, providers of 100% satisfaction guaranteed New York City Realty Investments. See them at nria.net. Now, let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. And here's Bill Maloney. Good afternoon, Charlie. Main U.S. averages are quiet today with the Dow currently lower by 18 points. S&Ps are little changed and NASDAQ is higher by 7. The small cap 600 is also little changed and the U.S. 10 yield at 1.50%. Seven out of 10 S&P sectors are lower, led by losses in energy, financials, and the utilities, while technology and materials led to the upside. Dow transports rise 10 points. NASDAQ biotechs fall 15. Utilities drop 3. And the VIX is down by 3.4%. Dow leaders to the downside included Disney, Home Depot, and Boeing. Leaders included Intel, Visa, and Microsoft. CF Industries plunged as much as 15%. That's most since 2008 after earnings. First Solar fell 13%, while Harman gained 7% after its results. And some of the names pointing after the bell tonight include Monster Beverage, Juno Therapeutics, Kraft Heinz, and Priceline. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie? All right. Thank you very much, Bill Maloney. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's the Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock, the Fed in Focus on Bloomberg Radio. Central Bank's in focus as we turn to the Bank of England's Hail Mary policy passes, our Bloomberg Intelligence in, team in London puts it, a three-pronged easing of monetary conditions. Will it be enough? Our next guest says, hmm, depending on what happens with inflation, could it be a little bit too much? It certainly hit the pound hard today. Joining us now is Carl Weinberg. He is Chief Economist, Managing Director for High Frequency Economics. So, Carl, uh, now that you've had a little more chance to read through everything that the Bank of England said in its statement, listen to Mark Carney, uh, think about it. Uh, how big, how important is this move by the Bank of England today? Well, it's a really substantial program. There's no doubt about that. We uh, very clearly saw them uh, cut down uh, the cost of borrowing, uh, both directly and indirectly, by lowering their bank rate, by setting up a program to channel funds at the lowest possible cost into banks to make sure that those lower interest rates pass through to the economy. We saw purchases of corporate bonds and uh, government bonds announced. It just doesn't get any more comprehensive than this. If they wanted to hit the hammer hit the nail on the head with a hammer, they certainly hit it hard. Did they hit it with a sledgehammer? Does this stuff actually work, or does it just create problems that they can't solve that are even bigger down the road? Hi, Pim. Well, you know, that's the big question. You know, down the road, how do we unwind all of this? That's always the question. But that's not the question for today, and it's not the question for the next period of time. When I first read the program this morning, I thought maybe they had been a little bit too aggressive in their forecasts of marking down their economic growth prospects and their inflation forecasts. I thought, you know, they, they could have been a little bit more conservative about that. But then during the course of the day, I've reflected on it a little bit, and I think that maybe this is where they want to be. They would rather hit it too hard and then be able to come back than not hit it enough and to be seen chasing after an ever-receding target. So I think that uh, they've hit it overly hard probably on purpose 
and warned us that, you know, there's more to come if necessary, but unspoken is the fact that if it's not necessary, it doesn't have to get any bigger than this. Well, uh, Carl, and I, I guess that's one of, one of the analyses I read uh, following the, and of course there's a lot, right? Everyone's trying to figure this out, was that uh, that maybe the view of the economy, the Bank of England Express today uh, lowered it by a good margin, but it never turns negative, uh, was too optimistic, which is one reason they'd have to maybe cut more in November. But is, is Mark Carney, is Mark Carney and his team figuring that if we are aggressive now and we take all these steps, we can avoid that deep of a slump in the UK economy? Is that why they didn't downgrade their forecast of the economy even further? Well, you know, uh, Kathleen, I'm going to answer your question with a question, and that question is who knows? Right? We are in uncharted territory as far as the UK economy is concerned. We don't have a recent historical precedent to look back on and say, the last time a country left the European Union, this is what happened. <laughs> you know, We don't know what the new terms of business are going to be. We don't know anything about how the UK economy is going to look two years from now, except that it's going to be different. So the bank has staked itself out as being a bear on the subject. And this, of course, was very controversial during the campaign. The governor was accused of being prejudiced toward the stay side, and he had to defend himself in Parliament on this. But he's very clearly on the view that this is a hard hit to the economy, that the risks are huge, and he's prepared to forecast that those risks turn into realities, and that's what we saw today. So this is, this is where they are, and they could very well be right, and I just don't know enough. I'm not smart enough to figure out in this uncertain circumstance whether I think they're right or wrong. I'm just along for the ride at this point. Uh, Carl, I just want to push a little bit on being along for this ride. I mean, are we talking about parallel economies? Because when you talk about low interest rates and bond buying, that's the financial economy. Revolving credit rates, they remain high. Down payments for real estate have increased, and you're lucky if you can get the mortgage at 3.5%, at least in the United States. And we've got sluggish wage growth in the developing in the developed world. How is what they're doing actually feeding into the real economy? Yeah, well, in the specifics of the U.K. market right now, mortgage lending has been the only lending that's been occurring. It's been actually at a faster rate than they'd like to see. The real estate market has been through the roof there, and they've been trying to cool lending. So in a sense, this is kind of a stop and start and then start again policy on uh, housing uh, to try to keep it from collapsing altogether. On their forecast, they're predicting a decline in house prices. They're predicting almost no economic growth in the second half of this year. This is a much more severe circumstance than we've seen before. And you've got to believe that if that's what that's what's actually going to happen. Lower interest rates certainly can't hurt, and whatever help they provide would be welcome. Well, of course, you just mentioned, Carl, the fact that they've got this kind of clever corporate lending program. We can talk about that more in a minute. In, in 10 seconds, though, do you see another rate cut in November? Um, I'm going to say I don't know. Let's get, we've yet to see some real hard data on how the economy has performed in this post-Brexit period. Let's look at some real hard numbers, and then we'll make a judgment. All right, we've got more with Carl Weinberg. He is Chief Economist, High Frequency Economics. You can follow him on Twitter at CB Weinberg. We've got more on the Bank of England's rate decision, the European Central Bank, and negative interest rates in the future of the global economy. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host, Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. 
Bank of England Governor Mark Carney said he is against negative interest rates. He doesn't like the idea of helicopter money, but as he decides to buy more bonds in the U.K., is that where he's heading? That's next on Taking Stock. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. The Bank of England cutting its key rate, getting ready to buy more bonds. Most of the world is heading in the direction of more stimulus. Can the Federal Reserve resist? And are there some signals, some negative signals about the entire global economy with all these central banks on the march? We're going to continue our conversation with Carl Weinberg of High Frequency Economics. But right now, let's go to Charlie Pellet in the Bloomberg Newsroom for Bloomberg Business Flash. And I thank you, Pim. Thank you, Kathleen. A mixed picture for stocks right now. Little change. That is the takeaway here. We've got the Dow Industrials down 11 points, 18,343, a drop there of less than 0.1 percent. S&P 500 index unchanged. Changed. NASDAQ is up 7 to 5167, a gain there of two tenths of 1%. Mixed corporate earnings offering little direction. Fertilizer maker CF Industries seeing its steepest drop since January after its results missed analyst predictions. Shares of CF, uh, they are down now by 12.32%. MetLife tumbling 9.1% after its quarterly profit disappointed. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney unveiling an exceptional package of stimulus, including the bank's first interest rate cut in seven years, as policymakers slash growth forecast by the most ever after Britain's decision to leave the European Union. And at the news conference, Carney took questions on a number of topics, including last June's Brexit vote. There is a great degree of uncertainty. It's entirely understandable that there is. There's uncertainty about the eventual model that we will have with the European Union. There are a number of uh, options on the table. Um, Whichever model is chosen itself will require some degree of adjustment in the economy, and that brings its own effects on growth and, uh, and productivity for a period of time. And Wall Street gets the all-important July jobs or the uh, August uh, jobs number, uh, July jobs number tomorrow morning. Today we got jobless claims. The number of Americans filing applications for unemployment benefits rose last week to a level that still underscores health in the labor market. Claims up by 3,000 to 269,000. Tenure up 11.30 seconds, yield 1.50%. Gold up two-tenths of 1%. And now let's take a look at other stories making news. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Jill Schneider. This news update is brought to you by Blue Jeans Enterprise Video Cloud. See faces, emotions, energy. See the people. Your team's video from any device. Start a free 30-day trial at bluejeans.com and click the radio mic. Blue Jeans, work smarter, connect better. Some Republicans are angry with presidential nominee Donald Trump for refusing to endorse House Speaker Paul Ryan. Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort says this should not be a concern. Of course he's going to work with Paul Ryan. Of course he's tried to bridge the party together with Paul Ryan. But Ryan is also running against somebody who's not going to win, but nonetheless, he's a strong supporter of Mr. Trump's. Meanwhile, another GOP congressman is saying he is unlikely to support Donald Trump for president. Adam Kinzinger of Illinois says Trump is, quote, beginning to cross a lot of red lines of the unforgivable in politics. 
Kinzinger also says he will not support Hillary Clinton. London police say a 19-year-old man is in custody after a knife attack last night that left one woman dead. Although police say at this point there is nothing linking the suspect to terrorism, this local resident says it's something that's always on her mind. Just living in, in London, especially in central London, there's always that thing, kind of thing in the back of your mind. But... You know, you live with with that threat of terrorism. Five people were also injured in the attack. Dozens were arrested today in the latest crackdown on organized crime by the FBI and New York City police. The suspects are reputed members of the Bonanno, Genovese, and Colombo crime families. The arrests were made in New York, Newark, New Haven, Boston, and Miami. The arrests follow a multi-year investigation. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Jill Schneider, and this is Bloomberg. Charlie? And we thank you. And again, recapping, little change for U.S. equities, 26 minutes to go ahead of the close. We've got the S&P 500 index down by less than half a point. I'm Charlie Palatin. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock, the Fed in Focus on Bloomberg Radio. We continue our conversation now, taking a look at the Bank of England, what they did, what they said, and what is going to happen next. Carl Weinberger is our guest, Chief Economist, Managing Director for High Frequency Economics. You know, Carl, Pam was just raising the question about, will this work? You know, you're going to uh, buy bonds. And I think it's interesting to, to ponder a point that our uh, Bloomberg Intelligence team made about the bond buying, which is, you know, you're sending a, a signal. It's going to be stimulus. And that along with the bond buying getting yields down on, on borrowing costs, right, and along with this targeted corporate bond buying program where they're really going to try to funnel real money to real U.K. businesses, right, that – that they're trying to hit this whole question of the impact of uncertainty, which has been a big hit to their economy already, by making sure that businesses can really get money and really do stuff. Is this a is this a clever step by the Bank of England? Do you think of potentially more effective than some other things central banks have done? Well, I think it's certainly what they hope to do, Kathleen. And certainly, lending to businesses has been a, a sore point. We've seen credit overall in the UK go from contraction to a very tepid rate of increase in the last few monthly reports. But lending to businesses remains flat at best. Most of the lending has been to consumers and uh, for mortgages. So businesses do need more credit, and they'll need it more than ever in this uncertain period. In the UK, starting as they did with yields a little higher than they have been recently in Europe, uh, there's certainly a case to be made that long-term interest rates and borrowing costs and the cost of bank credit can be made cheaper to advantage to bring the um, economy up a little bit at a faster pace of growth. You know, of course, 10-year yields are only 64 basis points, so you can only get so much out of buying, you know, more sovereign bonds and bringing down the yield curve. As far as corporate bonds are concerned, I personally have a problem with this. It, it doesn't stop the Bank of England or the ECB from doing it, but I view corporate bond purchases as more microeconomic policy and tinkering with the price of risk rather than macroeconomic policy, which is what happens when they buy a sovereign bond and bring down all interest rates. But that's my problem, not theirs. They clearly think that lower corporate yields relative to sovereigns are going to help and more power to them. Carl Weinberg, if you take a look at commodity prices, corn down to about 21-month lows, wheat hitting a nine-year low, soybeans down 10% from June, down 45% from their 2012 peak, agricultural prices falling, crude trading at around $41 a barrel right now, just up about two and a quarter percent. Are we going to experience 
an economic downturn as a result of these easy money policies? Pim, you're stealing my uh, my report to clients over uh, tonight's report and the one that they'll be getting over the weekend at High Frequency Economics. We are writing about a global economic downturn. We've been writing about it for a long time. And falling commodity prices certainly impoverish big parts of the world economy. Uh, I view the decline in world trade as being directly linked to the drop in commodity prices, which makes commodity producers poorer and means they import less stuff from us which means U.S. exports are a weak part of the U.S. outlook. And we've been linking that drop in world trade to an expected slowdown and possible contraction of the world economy for a long time. Right now, I track seven central banks, and all of them are now easing, or now have easy monetary conditions, including the Fed, which is not tightening, uh, and uh, including the ECB, which is uh, easing monetary conditions like MAD, the Bank of Japan, which is easing conditions like ultra MAD, the, the Bank of Reserve Bank of Australia, which just cut interest rates this week, the Canadians who've cut interest rates in recent months. All the central banks are doing the same thing. They're going full out toward easing, and they're marking down their forecasts every time they do a new forecast exercise to predict even slower and slower growth. I can't help but feel that they're telling us what we should be seeing in the world right now, which is a coordinated slowdown in many parts of the world economy at the same time and a possible contraction in a lot of places. It's not good. Carl, any chance that everyone's talking, oh, the ball's now in the fiscal court of the U.K., of the Fed, of Japan, <laughs> every country, supposedly, if the fiscal guy's got to carry the ball now. Is that going to happen? Well, well, the ball, that's been what the central bankers have been saying for a while. We know Mario Draghi said it explicitly. Uh, we know that the IMF has called for more fiscal stimulus. Uh, whether it's going to happen or not, you know, that's a political decision. The economics of it, though, in my view, are compelling. This is not the time for austerity. And while in some places, like Japan, fiscal policy is misplaced, they're, they're trying to fight a demographic challenge that can't be overcome by any economic policy, but certainly the case of Europe. Europe needs a kickstart, and fiscal policy is the way to do it, and many countries in Europe have the fiscal space to make that happen. The U.K. has committed to fiscal Fiscal stimulus, that's a good sign. The Canadians have committed to fiscal stimulus, that's a good time. The U.S., we're not going to see any fiscal stimulus here for quite a while, I'm pretty sure of that, uh, just looking at the politics of um, uh, in Washington and the, the prospects for what will come out of the upcoming election. Um, and uh, so who's left, you know? Uh, so it's a mixed bag. Some people are moving in that direction. I wish we would see more, but realistically, I don't think the biggest players are going to be at the table for that game. Carl Weinberg, thank you very much. Chief Economist, High Frequency Economics. You can follow Carl Weinberg on Twitter at CB Weinberg, giving us his thoughts on the Bank of England's rate decision and the potential turndown in the global economy. Looking for fiscal stimulus? That's what Carl Weinberg says might actually be needed. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. Central banks around the world trying to boost their economies, the Fed dragging its feet on a rate hike. But what about companies? What about their profits? What about their earnings? Jack Rifkin from Altegris coming up next on Bloomberg Radio.